Hey there, and welcome to Truth Be Told, a theology and apologetics podcast not claiming to have all of the answers, but created to analytically look at the truth contained in the Bible and encourage critical thinking on how to apply that truth to our lives. I'm Micah Gunn, and I appreciate you listening in. No matter your level of understanding or knowledge, I sincerely hope and pray that you find these words edifying, informative, and beneficial. So let's get started. I'd like to start off by asking probably one of the most theologically profound questions that I've ever come across. Uh, It's a question you've probably heard before, but it's a question that stands to be asked again. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Obviously, that's a joke. It's, that's not very theologically profound, but uh, most people do enjoy ice cream. And I actually uh, brought a Klondike bar with me right, right here. And in just a second, I'm going to be giving that away to somebody. So it's a little bit untraditional. We're going to have to just push through that a little bit. And it's going to be slightly uncomfortable what I'm going to ask you to do to see who gets this Klondike bar. So bear that in mind, but I encourage you to still do it anyways. So in a second, I'm going to uh, ask a question that I need an answer to. And the first person to shout the answer out to me, not just just raise your hand, not timidly, I think it's this. No, shout the answer out to me so that I know who says it first. And the first person to get the answer correct will win this Klondike bar. Fresh out of the freezer. It's not melted or anything. So the question is this. It's actually kind of more of a hunt than a question. You're going to go to your Bibles. Everyone, I'm assuming, has a Bible. You're going to turn to, not yet, not yet. Don't turn there yet. I'm going to give you the scripture. You're going to turn to it. And I'm going to ask you for a word on the page. And the first person to shout out that word gets this Klondike bar. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, I want the 10th word. The 10th word in the scripture. In the New King James Version, sorry. If you don't have the New King James, you might... Victory. Michelle Waterhouse gets a Klondike bar. Someone wanna, you want to come get it or someone want to pass it to her? Well, it's, not, it's just going to melt up here. I said this is untraditional. We're going to have to get through it, right? That would have been way cooler if he caught it, but that's okay. So right then, I had something that was desired. I had something people wanted. How many of you were like actually looking for what the scripture was? Raise your hand. So quite a few of you were interested in that Klondike bar, right? How much more do we desire the things that God can do for us? You believed fully that I would give it to you. There was no question in your mind. Otherwise, you never would have looked up the scripture, right? You wouldn't have done it. You believed I would give it to you. But how much more should we believe when God tells us he will answer our petitions and our prayers? You also knew for a fact that there was a good possibility you wouldn't get it. There was just one, right? I only had one. And while God doesn't answer prayers by giving one thing to someone and then everyone misses out, There's still a lesson here because how much less should it matter to us that the answer to us might sometimes be no? You still went through the effort. The answer could have been no. But how much less should it matter the answer might be no when we ask God? And the action you were doing was a little bit uncomfortable, 
to shout out the answer. Probably not uncomfortable for Michelle. She, she's pretty comfortable with herself. She, she can shout out whatever. But to some of us, that might feel uncomfortable. But how much less uncomfortable is prayer than yelling out answers in church? Prayer isn't uncomfortable. It's quiet. It's individual. It's easy. But you still found it worth it. That ice cream, you found it worth it. How much more worth it could it be if we earnestly prayed more than we do with full understanding of the power that we have in prayer? Human beings struggle with balance often. An example of this uh, that I believe has turned into a problem, actually, is God's desire for us to repeat things, and then that paired with his desire to make us have fuller meaning in the same things that we're repeating. So the holy days, for example, we're asked every year, repeat these holy days so that you remember them, but also grow in, your, in the understanding and in the fullness of that understanding every year. That's hard to do for a human being. It becomes mundane. It becomes writ. But it shouldn't. Even more difficult, probably, for some of us is the Sabbath. It's another holy day, but it happens weekly. Who among us can't say that we've had at least one Sabbath where we didn't grow in the fullness of understanding or the fullness of the experience of what the Sabbath is supposed to be? Probably every single one of us at least has one Sabbath. And then even greater than that, I would say, is prayer. This is supposed to be daily. It's supposed to be continuous. But how much more difficult is it for us to keep our prayers up to par with what they should be due to our tendency to make the mundane things we do every day not mean as much as we continue to repeat them. And I am extremely guilty of this. And I'm going to be sharing some of my experience along the way to hopefully try and connect with you. I'm not uh, here to point fingers. Actually, um, Mr. Orleman, that prayer was thoughtful and very well put. I really appreciated that. I was hoping it was worse so I'd have a, an example to point to besides myself. But I guess I'll have to use myself and that's okay. But hopefully I'll be able to connect with you on our collective shortcomings and try and be mindful of the issue in order to to be better at it, both for myself and for all of us. So there are things that we must remember when we pray. We absolutely have to remember these things if we want our prayers to be effective. Because prayer can be the most powerful tool we have because God is the most powerful ally that we have if we would only let it be that. And so many times I think we we don't let it be that. So the first thing is that we need to know that when we pray, we must be intentional and we must be deliberate. What's your goal in any given prayer? What are you asking for? Or are you just going through the motions? We make a big deal about the Lord's Prayer individually and we say, well, we don't want to vainly repeat that over and over and over again because it loses its, its meaning. We need to actually be thoughtful about this. But then so many times, I've done this, you come up and you say the words that you've heard again and again. Help us to apply it to our lives. How many times have you heard that? In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Without actually truly thinking about the implications of God applying these words to your life or actually truly thinking about the powerful being that you are able to pray through, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the creator of the world, we don't think about these things. We're ready to condemn on the Lord's Prayer when people repeat that, which I think is fine. Vain repetition is not a good thing. But we can't then commit it in our own prayers as well, just in uh, our culture. 
If you're praying, our Father who art in heaven, but you're considering what grievances you have that you want to talk about later, you're probably not being intentional with your prayer. If you're praying, thy kingdom come, but then you get sidetracked wondering just how much you actually want the kingdom to come because, well, if it would wait a week, that'd be good. I heard someone on a podcast the other day, Lord, thy kingdom come, but not until my book comes out. And I thought, what? But we do that. We do that exact same thing. And if we're praying thy kingdom come like this, as we're already mouthing the words, thy will be done, we're not praying intentionally. If you're praying, help us take these words and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're not thinking about the creator of the universe being who we're praying through or what application of that scripture or that message means to your life. You're not praying intentionally. And I am guilty of this. I'm only speaking of this because it's a problem for me, and so I hope it's a problem for more people and we can benefit from this message. So I had a Klondike bar. What if it was a car? How many of you would have turned the scripture then? What if it was a million dollars? Would you be like, eh, maybe? No, absolutely not. You would all be right in your Bible. Probably ten people would have shouted out before Michelle did. Or maybe at the same time. She's pretty smart and pretty quick. I don't know. All you had to do was shout an answer in church and you would have gotten a Klondike bar. But God has for you healing. He has mercy. He has salvation for you. He has blessings for you. He has peace for you. And he doesn't ask that you shout an answer in church uncomfortably. He asks that you just whisper a question in prayer. But how many of us don't do that? The second thing we need to know when we pray is that we must We must be drawing closer to God in that prayer. And that closeness should breed a trust unlike anything we can actually experience with each other. We understand in our hearts that God is a good God. No one would question that. And yet, anytime there's a question in our mind about a difficult scripture or something not going right in your life that you've prayed over and over and over again, it's almost that we need proof again that God is good. We shouldn't. I do it, but we shouldn't. David did this in many of his prayers, but he always came to a good conclusion in the end, and this is important. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to be frustrated and discuss things with God. It's not okay to conclude then that God is not good because a prayer is not answered or something is difficult for you to understand. In the book of Daniel, Daniel begins praying, and almost immediately the angel Gabriel comes to him from God, ready to explain away all the inner struggle that Daniel's going through at this time. And Daniel's shocked. He says, like, even while I was still praying, the angel Gabriel appeared to me. He's shocked at this. But then what does Gabriel say to him? I would have come sooner, but I was waylaid by evil spirits, by the prince of Persia. He would have come sooner than Daniel had ever anticipated, even though Daniel had probably only spoken a few words in prayer. That's how quickly God can work things out for you. So imagine an angel appearing even sooner than just a few words being spoken. And why did Gabriel come so quickly to Daniel? It says it's because Daniel was esteemed. He was esteemed by God. And so that was answered immediately. It was heard immediately, personally, by God, and then answered. You all today are esteemed. All of us here are esteemed by God. He's listening intently to your prayer. God desires that you speak with him as much as you can, as often as you can. He wants you to speak with him as he wanted Daniel to speak with him. God's ready before you even know how to process your thoughts 
to give an answer to your prayer. Even if that answer is sometimes, no, I have something better for you. He's still listening. He's still answering. He wants to do all that he can to help you to succeed. But do you believe this? I offered you ice cream. I'm telling you right now, I have not always told the truth. I have lied before. I have sinned before. And I probably will do it again. Not that I want to, but I'm imperfect. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to sin again. But you didn't doubt my word for a second. And yet God, who has never lied, never sinned, never done any misstep at all, sometimes we ask, is he really going to, though? Is he really listening to me right now about this stupid thing? And in that, we become complacent. A telemarketer might call you and say, we're here to call you about your car's extended warranty. You'd immediately hang up the phone. How many calls do you get like that a week? Man, I'm sick of it. Every day, like noon and one o'clock, get two calls at least about that. We question that because we know the scam. We know what's happening. We know those kinds of people that are trying to do that to us. We hang up the phone immediately. With me, who can call myself barely better than the telemarketer, we say, yeah, he's definitely going to give us that ice cream. I'm flipping to the scripture for sure. But with God, who's never done anything to call him into question, we wonder. We're not sure. Turn with me to Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 22. I've been really, really um, interested in the Gospel of Mark lately. It's, it's typically Matthew, Mark, and Luke get kind of paired together, but they're all very individual and Mark, I've been studying a lot lately to see the differences. It's really cool. Mark 11, verse 22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, verse 24, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. God wants us to ask for things. Not just some pious prayer of help me in general. He wants us to ask for things intentionally. The things we desire. If we're praying earnestly, it's about the things we desire. And sometimes those are spiritual things. Sometimes it's help and understanding. Sometimes it is healing, maybe for a neighbor or something um, peace for a family that you know that's going through struggle. Maybe it's, it, it is something like that. But it's also just things. God, I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. Pray it earnestly. God will work it out for you. I didn't say he'd answer every single thing with a yes. I didn't say this is not a prosperity gospel kind of thing. But he will answer your prayer. He is listening to it. And if his answer is no, it's only because he has something better already in mind. It's not because he's not answering you. God wants us to ask for things that we desire. Charles Spurgeon is um, a preacher from like the 1800s. I've really enjoyed um, reading some of his essays and things like that. He has a lot of things I disagree with as well. But he says on prayer, this is a pretty long quote, but I think it's valuable. It says, how many persons there are who complain that they do not enjoy prayer? They do not neglect it, for they dare not. But they would neglect it if they dared. So far they from finding any pleasure therein. And have we not to lament that sometimes the chariot wheels are taken off and we drive right heavily when we are in supplication? 
this part, this next part is very important. We spend the time allotted. We are praying. We spend the time allotted. But we rise from our knees unrefreshed like a man who has lain upon his bed but has not slept so as to really recover his strength. When the time comes round again, conscience drives us to our knees, but there is not sweet fellowship with God. There is no telling out of our, out of our wants to him in the firm conviction that he will supply them. After having gone again through a certain round of customary utterances, we rise from our knees perhaps more troubled in conscience and more distressed in mind than we were before. Is that you? Because it is me, it has been me, and I don't want it to be anymore. We have to think about this. If your phone was broken, the next day you'd be fixing it, if not that night, at least ordering another one. You'd be so fast to do it. If your email wasn't loading, man, you'd have some words for a tech support guy. But when your prayer is broken, are you doing as much to fix it? Because I submit that our prayer probably is broken or has been broken or will be broken at some point. This is vastly important, our communication with God, and we have to fix it. We must be intentional. We must be deliberate. We must know that he hears us, and we must trust that he will answer us. We know now what we would do for a Klondike bar. We know that now. Theological question answered. But consider what you would do for a relationship with the most powerful being in the universe, and then do it. Have a great Sabbath, everybody.